Georgia Dow is a therapist, but she's not your therapist. This show should not substitute a personal consultation with a professional. Why is that funny that I'm here? <laughs> Brianna is here. It's, a, it's you know it's like Georgia putting oh. on her video. You know it's. <laughs> no. uh, You're going to bring that uh, up every single time, I, I Steve. I turned on my video to one of my clients. I got a little bit of like a trauma of like oh no, and then I'm like oh no, yes, that's what I'm supposed to do. Yeah. Oh my god! So, so Georgia, I've been I've been thinking about you a lot this week, and not in a creepy way, in like a cool <laughs> professional. In a professional admiration way. So I've been reading a book that's on uh, charisma. And it's basically about how, you know, as a politician, you give all these different styles of it. And something that comes right. very naturally to me is um, like command charisma, like taking charge right. of a situation, seeing authoritative, like, you know, in an emergency, like I was at Disney World a few weeks ago and a uh-huh. ride broke down and people are just naturally looking to me for leadership to save them from the Mexico right. ride. Right. But you have <laughs> warped charisma. And it's it's something I really, really admire about you. And I can read psychological books about it, how you just project caring for other people. And I can't do that. I can't do it. I try very hard. <laughs> I, I don't think, though, that it's – I think that's just what comes naturally to me. So it's not re- – like, I, I appreciate that. But I, I don't yeah. think that it's, it's actually uh, something that I, I worked on. It's something that was, was – it's easier for me, so I find. Let me that. let me try it right now on the show. Sure. I care about you, Micah. <laughs> feel the warmth. <laughs> Do you feel it? Do you feel uh, the warmth? It dropped three degrees in my office. <laughs> it seems a little bit, a little bit on the. Um, uh, All right. Creepy kind of factor. It was oh, authoritative. It was very oh. Halloweeny. It was. It was. It was uh, October sort okay. of. You okay. Let me try it again. Try again. Try again. And then just let it out at key moments. Right. Right. Really right. Try it again. Try it again. Okay. Okay. Micah, how are you doing? Are you? Are things well with you? You know that 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 was better. That was well, pretty what good. I'm trying to there do was... is I'm trying to project genuinely caring about that you. That so works well, except for there's a slight right. touch of sarcasm at the yeah, end. Yeah, I felt a little bit of sarcasm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, let me try this again. Yeah, Micah, you know, I have not talked to you all week. In fact, I missed you last week on the show. Are you okay? Is everything good with you? Hey, that was pretty oh, good. That's getting better. You, that's getting that better. was actually really good because you that's threw in better. something right. that's like, hey. I would, I would throw one more thing at you. Okay. To help work for it, to, to be a more, uh, you know, even better politician yeah. would be um, don't increase your octave of your voice because that means stress. And oh, if you're saying okay. it and you're stressed, it's probably not genuine because it's stressing you to say it. So if I'm like, okay, hey, Micah, what's up? It, it seems like a yeah. little bit like, No, huh. that's fair. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah, yeah. Let me try this again. Okay. Micah! <laughs> <laughs> Doing? <laughs> I mean, in fairness, Skeletor is known for his charisma, so you know that's and that's and warmth as well. 
I'm going to have to work on this. What is this book, though? What is this book about different types of charisma? Uh, it's called Don't Be an Asshole, and that's the title of the book. Really? Okay. Is that really the title no, of the it's book? it's called The Charisma Myth. It's called The Charisma Myth. Oh, I liked so the other one. That good. was funny. I, I'm like, yeah, that, yeah. that sounds yeah. like a book that people would buy. It's really hard because, like, you meet people and you have to make a connection with them yes. in, like, 15 yes. seconds. So something yeah. I've found is to say the word – so this is how I do it in all seriousness. So let's say, Micah, I'm meeting you for the first time. You're a voter. I go mm-hmm. – Micah, it's so good to meet you, Micah. Thank you for coming today. You say their name twice, so also so you can remember it. And then (laughs) you use the word you a lot. Like, I have the best website I can recommend for you. How are you doing? I have something Mm -hmm. I think that you would like to hear. Ah, interesting. You have to keep turning it around like like that. I like that. That's very effective. People love to hear their own name. And when you're saying the word you, it... (laughs) When they're saying you, Brie, um, they it's it's then not about yourself; it's about them, and so people like that. No, you think there are people who more. like they Brie. like maybe their parents they were maybe you know not well behaved children or something, and so their parents were constantly going, uh, let's say their name is uh, uh, crayon, uh, crayon, you know, just over and over throughout their childhood. So when they hear that as an adult, like it's a negative yeah. thing as opposed to well, a positive. I guess thing. I would if you're gonna say like Brie, like that would like that's not. You know, that's more scary. But if you're going to say I like that. No, just yell my name. Yeah. Yeah. Spray on on the show. Feel it. (laughs) I I don't know, though, Georgia. Like, if I'm like, uh, like, I'm doing a a register transaction, right? And like, the person like reads off the receipt in my my name and like addresses me by name, that skews me out. It doesn't make me feel good. It makes me feel like. It doesn't? No, when they address me by my. Oh well, then I feel like they're they're mad at me. But I mean, even okay. if they say Steve, it's like, why are you why are you calling me by name? It's like it catches me off guard. It doesn't make me. But that's just because they're not someone that's trying to. You're not you're not making a personal connection with them. Yeah, I guess. You know, you don't know them, and they're suddenly yeah. like Steve. Like you haven't introduced yourself, and they know your name. It it that yeah yeah. It, it's like it's like it's like handing Google my credit card. Right. <laughs> Right, 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 right. Well, right. in that in that situation, you have no power. Yeah, that's right? true. Like people tend to, man. I've read so much psychology. Like people tend to not like if someone's super polite, it actually gets on people's nerves because it seems like if you're just super friendly all the time, it seems servile. Yeah. And if you think about like the the most charismatic people, like say Bill Clinton. If you meet Bill Clinton in person, he has this way of like making you feel like you're the only person in the room. Now, a you know, waiter at a restaurant might be that same way, but they don't have any power. So it's that combination because like humans like the the idea that they could get something. So if there's nothing like for you to gain in that transaction, it's just not going to be the same thing. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> I can see that. Oh, the human brain is just such a weird thing. Uh, what it sounds like is we're all just terrible people at the core, oh. and all we want is to get things out of others, and that's pretty depressing. Not you, Micah. <laughs> Not is that you, what Micah. I needed to hear? Micah, so you can pull me in closer. You're the best. You're the best. How are you doing? Uh-uh. I don't believe any of it. I'm just a terrible person who wants to get shit out of you. Oh, I said the S word. Whoops. Uh, uh, is that Micah? Oh. 
Oh, yeah. snap. <laughs> Remade Micah oh. Swear. Oh, dear. No, the, 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 <laughs> the beer I had before this must have made me do that. Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, wow. I'm on you take a page from the Christina Warren podcasting <laughs> playbook. <laughs> oh, dear. Yes. So here's the thing. What happens when you're playing a video game and a loot box calls out your name? You think you're more likely to want to buy it? Uh, there was an article published in Kotaku, and it's something that's uh, been discussed in in the past and continues to be discussed and comes up in, in things like Candy Crush and, and mobile games as well, but especially now that it's me. making its way into AAA games. And it's this idea of the loot box, a, a box that can be earned uh, by playing the game at random or something that you can actually purchase with real-world money. And essentially what's happening here is folks are taking psychological concepts to uh, sort of hook you and make you want to buy things uh, in the game. But here's the deal is that a lot of times this is sort of like gambling because for every, you know, 10 loot boxes you buy, only one actually has the golden ticket, the item that you're wanting, the rare thing. And the rest of them are filled with like a cool party hat and a crayon. Again, we're bringing that up again. Um, So there's been some discussion in some sort of uh, critiques on these different companies making a bunch of extra money off of people through these loot boxes and using these techniques to sort of draw people in and keep them buying them. And it's interesting how different countries have legislated for this. And in some countries, they actually have to say, like, what are the chances, what are the odds that you're going to get a high you know, a highly sought after item versus just getting a box that has nothing in it. But the thing is, a lot of times that still doesn't deter people and they still end up wanting to pay, you know, tens of dollars to get more and more loot boxes or loot crates rather. Uh, so yeah, that, that's, that's what we're talking about first. Steve, how many loot boxes have you purchased? Well, I bought plenty of packs of Hearthstone cards, which is kind of the same thing, but it's mm-hmm. um i mean i guess i'm pretty good about it because i just buy a set amount at the beginning of each, each expansion and then i don't buy any more after that and i kind of look at that as my console game but i mean it, i think a lot of this is that you have developers who are trying to keep the same 60 dollar base price for video games that hasn't changed since what like the super was it super nintendo that that the prices went up to 60 dollars maybe it was the n64 and they're they're trying to find other ways to get people to spend more money and and loot boxes are a way that they can generally offer something offer players a way to give them more money without actually building out DLC and and it's effective because they put things that are very attractive into them and then you generally can't buy them outright with cash so you have this thing that's kind of dangled dangled in front of you typically a lot of these like Overwatch will give you I don't remember what the name of the currency is in, in Heroes of the Storm. It's called shards when you get a duplicate and then you could eventually put those towards something that you do want, but it, you can't go out and just buy it. And so if you want it, you're either encouraged to spend a lot of time in the game to, to grind out the experience to earn them, or you're encouraged to spend money. And for people who, uh, you know, have problems with, with impulse control or, or are attracted to that kind of gambling aspect, cause it is very exciting to, open up a box and see what's inside. It's like opening presents on your birthday, except that sometimes you get socks. Uh, You know, it it can be kind of predatory for certain people who are susceptible to that. So Steve, I want to tell you, that was such a fantastic opening. And Steve, you just, you poured so much into that answer. (laughs) Thank you. 
Thank you. That's amazing. I wish I got that kind of accolades from Brianna. Georgia, I've got to tell you, I've, I, I, I just think you are amazing and a warm and caring person. But right now, I'm going to talk about this loot box before I like blow more sunshine. Now, loot box, you are so great, and you are a loot box. I love the you are you are a loot box with sunshine tonight. That's right. That's right. No, um, so I'm just gonna I'm gonna come out and say it. Like I have never been to a casino, but I've got whatever gene gets you beyond addicted to this stuff. I had to stop playing Final Fantasy 15 because I'm like, this is just ridiculous. I can't justify this in any universe anymore. Um, I'm actually gonna my piece for Mac Life uh, this month is going to be on the number one guild in Final Fantasy uh, 15, in my own estimates of how much they've spent to be competitive, the top player in our realm, uh, they told me they've spent $25,000 wow. to be the number one player. And anyone with like really high ranking in the game has spent between five and $6,000 on loot boxes. Um, you know, I just got to, I'm like, I can't, I got to quit. And just to be honest, I'm not buying Apple games for a while because this is the only mechanic and it is straight up gambling. And uh, I tell you, if I win my congressional race, we're really going to have to look into this situation because I do think it's gambling. I do think it's preying on children and I, I just don't see any difference at all. Yeah, I think that you're absolutely right. Um, I, I don't mind for things instead of having to use my time like there's there's certain things that I don't mind like I don't mind getting rid of ads for something that's free and and being able to deal with it because that saves me time to it but it's the addictive property of gambling that you mentioned Brie that makes this such a nefarious and difficult issue because it preys upon the same uh, dopamine center in your brain that deals with cocaine and addiction to gambling and you know all other areas that that kind of makes us always want to come back for more because it's that off and on loop of maybe this time. And certain people's brains are biologically more predisposed to want that type of hit and to get that excitement from it. Because when you get something that um, you really wanted and is very cool, that's the thing that it makes you want to go back for more. And a lot of people cannot control that. And in a game, it's it's not... It's friendly and fun and people don't see it as bad because it's just a game. So what does it matter to that? And I know people that have spent, you know, you know, $5,000 in, you know, a year on different games trying to be able to, it's, it's not extortion, but kind of, you know, get money out of people for being able to play it. And there should be some sort of idea to it. I don't know about if regulation is the way... Um, out of it it's kind of a really difficult thing of where do people's choices come in versus you know what should be dealt with like should gambling be it's it's legal legal? to gamble in vegas right like we but we have reasonable limits on it and my big problem with like say final fantasy 14 um 15 rather is yeah i'm an adult i made my choice but there are a lot (laughs) of children that play in that game and i do know that they're maxing out their parents credit cards doing it i've I've actually talked to people that are doing that I I just I think it's predatory. Yes, and I think that for children, especially, it should be that games that have um, 
And I'm not saying pay to play, like if you want more levels and being able to pay for it, I think that that sounds fair, a fair way to make money if you have content to it. But, you know, I think that it would be fair to have something that would be 18 and over before you have, you know, the way that to get ahead in the game would be that you have something that would be more addictive and, and gambling-ish in it. That that seems like something that would be a fair midpoint. Yeah, and, and I think this is, that's why this is becoming an issue right now. It's because Overwatch has had loot boxes for a long time. And and so of games like Heroes of the Storm and, and other games like that, I think where it's starting to come to a head is that the, the sequel to Shadow of Mordor came out and the loot boxes there give you orcs that you can recruit to defend your fortresses in the in the end stages of the game and apparently if you're not grinding the currency there you can earn in-game currency but apparently if you're not grinding the in-game currency the right way then you're very strongly incentivized to spend additional money above and beyond the price of the game to get the the equipment and the units that you need in order to be able to complete the end game now i i do want to say that i feel like some of this is the natural gamer, you know, reaction to anything that smells like Candy Crush making its way into their AAA games to some extent. I, mm-hmm. I think that a lot of what we're saying is fair. I think that it's it, it tends to get a little bit extra heat behind it because people are afraid that their precious AAA games that they're spending $60 up front for are turning into Candy Crush because of those mechanics. And that's been kind of a thing for a long time. But, you know, up to now, it's all been cosmetic. And I think this is where the line is starting to get crossed with this boiling over into a legitimate controversy is that this and also the Star Wars Battlefront beta also had cards and card packs that would enhance your stats. And so that also got to affecting gameplay. And I think that's where the line ends up being for a lot of these things. Are these is this one of the situations where it is honestly the case that you can't finish the game you can't get to the end of the game unless you get these these loot boxes or is it just like it's this not, gets you there faster yeah. it's yeah it's not that you can't finish yeah. the game without them it's that it would um it you allows longer. you to speed up faster and you're if you're playing online and there's other people that are like you're like you you gather an army in a, a faster way without having to do more work and i think that that does incentivize it doesn't like force you to do it it just you know in comparison to others that would they're going to progress better than you would it just seems to me that if you go to vegas um you know they are required by law to have a posting of like the stats on their gambling machines you know this person that went on um, a wild killing spree in uh you know vegas he found the video machine with the best odds and would sit there and like run the odds for hours on it. Like he was beyond addicted to it. It just seems to me that that's honest labeling. Um, And, you know, like Steve, uh, just like you, I probably haven't spent as much as you have on Hearthstone, but like Gears of War is a game Frank really loves. And you definitely have to buy packs in that game to be competitive. And it does give you a really big advantage in multiplayer. So I just, I think I just straight up, I feel like part of my job as a candidate is to bring some 
technological expertise to regulation because this stuff is just the wild west and you know like this week it came out that like facebook ads are completely unregulated in a way that television ads are and like you know like Mm -hmm. congress is finally starting to look at that like the Mm -hmm. internet is not some separate area of life and I, mm-hmm. I do think that this should be carried over. Yeah, and, and, I agree. Yeah. And it's not that outrageous because China does that already. I mean, we found out what the rate of uh, rare and epic and legendary drops were for Overwatch because of Chinese regulations uh, back in back in May of this year. So, uh, you know, it's not even something that is going to be a huge burden on companies because they're having to do that anyway. If they're operating globally, they have to abide yeah. by other by other countries. Um, regulations that are the same. So it would just be making that, requiring them to make that information available to U.S. players as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, Any last thoughts on this before we move on to the next topic? I just think you did such a great job of introducing that topic, Micah. Thank you so much. I I really appreciate the professionalism and um, the, 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 the work you put into introducing the show every week well thank you thank you brie i really appreciate that brie um the up next we have a pretty um pretty pretty tough topic so quebec um which is in canada uh passed what they call a religious neutrality bill it was passed with a vote of 66 to 51 and among other things uh part of it is a ban on face coverings um for any citizen any resident who uses public services or or gives public services so that's like going to the library taking a bus things like that 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 involve um the the public's you know what what's what's given out in the public uh essentially what this means is that uh women who wear niqab and anyone who wears a face covering is put in a position where they are even more uh alienated and and discriminated against. And I want to I want to give some some stats here and then we'll break into this conversation, but the number of police reported hate crimes targeting Muslims in Canada more than tripled between 2012 and 2015. There were 159 hate crimes targeted at Muslims that were reported and that's up from 45. So 159 from 45 between 2012 and 2015 tripled. Um clearly this is not the time to further alienate and further imprison is is how uh one woman described it uh being stuck essentially in her home because she can't leave the house and use public services so georgia can i get your i'm i would love to hear um sort of canada's reaction on this uh this this you know what we make we make a lot of jokes and talk a lot about how canada seems to be you know doing a really good job whenever the united states has not been doing such a great job um so this just is like i, I can imagine that there were some canadians who were saying this is a little backwards <laughs> yeah yeah i i'm uh really shocked uh that this was passed um and you know, I understand the thoughts behind it of, you know, um, that they people feel that um, having face coverings is a way to um, erase a female's identity, um, you know, who, who a woman is, and it makes it easier to um, not know them as a person and objectify them in that way. But us, 
forcing people to take off their face covering is just as bad as another country forcing someone to put it on. And so I really think it goes against our main Canadian ideal of us being, you know, a mosaic of you can be who you want to be and you don't have to feel like you must conform to, you know, someone else's belief set. I also think that it's going to cause a whole bunch of problems in other ways. So what happens to nuns? Uh, what happens to people that are sick um, and, and wearing a face mask? What happens to hockey players? What happens when I'm wearing my ski gear and I'm, my face is fully covered? And what happens when it's really bloody cold outside? Uh, what's going to happen for Halloween? And this is just another... I can just see people now coming up to women who are already feeling discriminated against and have a difficulty of, of feeling as a part of the community now again, feeling even worse off, and now they can't leave the ho- their home if they have a strong belief of that this is what is comfortable to them. And I, I will be honest and say that, you know, I don't like the idea of having a woman's identity erased. I think that that, and that's my own biased belief to it. I, you know, I feel that way to it. But I might be very wrong in that belief, and someone else may feel that this makes them feel free and that they can travel without having to worry about being stared at and ogled at and being a sexual object to others and that is what people have stated about their feelings of why they wear one by their own choice not because they're being forced to and so I was really saddened that this was happening and this was happening here and I think and and hope that we uh, have people that fight it and because Quebec already doesn't go by our regular uh, charter of human rights and freedoms there's a whole different debate to that but I hope that it gets struck down as unconstitutional because of that, because I think that it's going to cause more problems than healing. Um, I just want people in general to shut the fuck up about what women wear, just in general. Like, I'm not into, like, the hunter boots that are really popular in Boston, but I, I just, you know, like... We're, we're so obsessed about it. It's part of patriarchy because it becomes, well, what's the best way to protect women? Well, we've got to do this. And you're right, Georgia, that there are complex themes there you know, within Islam and head coverings. I'm not going to pass a judgment on it. I think any woman can make up her own mind about what mm-hmm. she wants to do there. And let's just call this what this is. This is Islamophobia. And, you know, something else I just have to say here is, you know, all respect to Canada because, like, you guys are better than we are right now. But there is a, a fallacy that I continually see in the United States discourse that throws up and it's like, well, Canada does it this way. Yeah, I'm, I'm really not trying to dig at you, Georgia, but it's like you guys are not a utopia. Like you're a country, yeah. you're a better yeah. country than most. You've got a pretty good leader right now. You know, although Justin Trudeau, he's he's problematic in some ways, and you know, you're 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 just it's it's a false choice to like set you up as like the ideal of what any country could be. Because, like, there's no country on Earth you can look at it. It doesn't have serious problems. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this definitely shows that. Uh, one other thing that I wanted to note is, you know, for 
many people, religion is an important part of their identity. Uh, so it's not even necessarily an identity erasing thing. Uh, if if religion and the practices that are involved in said religion are a part of who the person sees themselves as, and again, yes, you know there are complexities there, and it's not for me to pass any judgment on. But I do want to get that note out there because I I know uh, some women who are hijab wearing women, not niqab, but hijab wearing women, who mm -hmm. consider that a very big part of their uh, their identity as a person. And it yes. yeah, and it does take a lot of bravery in mm -hmm. in the climate that we're in to wear to wear those religious coverings outside, knowing how many people are Islamophobic and and just putting you know basic you in some respects depending on where you are and and you could be putting a target on your back or on your on your your body by wearing something yes. out like that like I you know I mean I'm not religious enough to wear a yarmulke in public, but. Uh, you know, it's something that uh, well, as soon as I leave the synagogue, I take it off. And, you know, because it, it per, for, partially because I'm not, you know, I'm just I just it's just not something that I wear outside of the synagogue. But also, mm -hmm. you know, I I see how people look at people who are wearing religious garb and, mm -hmm. you know, it's it's it can be very scary doing that. And, and I mean, that's what they do. And, you know, that's part of their daily life. But that's also a form of bravery wearing those things outside and yes. you know to persecute them for that and and then again to inc to introduce all of these unint unintended consequences like i can't mm -hmm. imagine going out with your face uncovered in minus 20 in canada which happens like you know i mean yeah. is that going to be are people going to get arrested for wearing ski masks because they're you know because they're covering their face when it's 20 below it's well, I wear a, I wear a balaclava when I ride my motorcycle because yeah. my hair gets tangled yeah. if I don't. Uh, and you and know? this will stop yeah. peaceful protests of being able to have anonymity while yeah. you decide to do that. I think that it it also changes. Like if we are going to start to police religiosity, um, it's going to cause a lot of problems for other religions as well. So I, I deal with a lot of people that are Orthodox Jews. Yeah. I deal with a lot of people that have very, um, like, a profound specific look to that. And it's it's one of these things that, like, really are we, are, like, especially in this time when we see all of the hardship that can go through and we're trying to come together and unite people, this is one more reason that now people will feel emboldened to be able to ostracize, I see people going, there's already been times where people have gone up to people wearing a niqab and actually pulled it off of their head. Ugh. Yeah, because they feel and, entitled by the law, yeah. And now now they will have even more feeling of, they can go up and say, you know what, you're not allowed to do this. And the thought of that really sickens me because it's already so hard. Like just living and trying to be accepted in the world is so difficult and uh, it's going to I think this is going to be a huge issue. I really do hope that we, um, yeah, get rid of it. No, I, I was apparently uh, Trudeau, of course, had said, no, we don't. We think this is a, not a great thing. And Quebec and, and the, the government uh, had said, like, hey, this this is something that we're condemning. But it wasn't clear whether or not there was going to be more that took place. Um, so could I ask what is, oh, I guess Ontario. Um, yeah. 
what is the possibility there of of a government of an upper government intervention? Is this something that they can that you know your 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 national government can say, hey, look, we're not doing this? Oh, sorry, I was just going to say, I know some bus companies within Quebec were like, we're not enforcing this. Our our bus drivers aren't going to enforce this law, even though Quebec itself says that you know this is the new rule. Right. So it's a little bit difficult because um, Quebec being different has actually pulled themselves out of our our Canadian uh, charters of rights and freedoms. Um, so we we had not signed the newest version to that, which gives them more leeway. They did that for language reasons. Wait, would and they so, be the Mississippi in this metaphor, or, or the Massachusetts? Which one would they be? Yeah, <laughs> in some ways a little bit of both. Okay, um, there in we some go. ways a little bit of both. Unfortunately, yeah. yeah. Oh wow. So yeah, that sounds bad. It sounds really bad. It, again, for language issues, there there are definitely some extremism that happens to that. Usually, usually in in religious you know situations, we're really open minded. And accepting to this. And that's why this is so shocking and shocking that it's happening here. And so because of that, I really do hope that people speak out and that everyone speaks out for the few and no one stays silent in a way that we could end up ostracizing our own people. Okay. Um, Any last thoughts on that before we hit up the next topic? I just wanted to tell you that, you know, Micah, sometimes a doctor does nice things. One thing is to carry money all the time and make a patient look at it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. Uh, Was that warm? Did you feel the warmth? That was so warm. You know, it was almost as warm as this metaphor that I want to share with you. You see, (laughs) a hospital is a lot like high school. The most amazing man is dying, and you're the only one who wants to steal stuff from his dad. I love nothing more in this world, pretty much, than chihuahuas. But secondly, I love nothing more than when we take uh, predictive engines and artificial intelligences and all these different things, and we feed them information, and then they create the most beautiful, ridiculous, hilarious, horrific, in some cases, creations. And this time, Brie has shared the most wonderful script. Uh, Basically, they, they trained a predictive keyboard... To with with scrub scripts, they fed these predictive keyboards with scrubs scripts, and then used it to write an average episode of Scrubs. So it's <laughs> sort of like taking that middle button on your iPhone uh, with a predictive keyboard and just pushing the middle button over and over and over again. Uh, and by but the it's way, little... don't do that. Do not do that because you'll know way too much about yourself <laughs> if you do. I I I was like. This is bad. Yeah, don't do that. Um, Georgia, I think this script has some some good life lessons for you. Like, oh, please, please. I think, well, like, it's like today, before we started the show, you had like a 16-hour day. And I just think you should know that the truth is every patient suffers from dementia, and you're just not going to change all of that. <laughs> doesn't make me feel good. No, no. What no, about, I feel sad now. What about this? Y- your name is Dr. Kayak Paddle, but if you act like a giant electric melon, I'm going to consider your opinion. <laughs> I mean, I only cons- I exclusively consider the opinions of giant electric melons, in case you didn't know. That's very true. Can't, very can't true. you just tell me how to kiss my lady? My lady is the eel I bought from the narcoleptic. That's just... <laughs> uh- 
that one line is worth the entire article right there. The it's, one, the one I, narcoleptic that hangs around like that's the, okay. the person about, who's asleep down yeah. the hall. How about this one? So I, I spent last weekend and I finally painted my Audi TT for the third time. <laughs> this time I didn't mess it up too much. Uh, and we were like pon- polishing it today. And then I read this article and it's got the great quote, everything about my new black machine, it was a huge mistake. <laughs> and I'm like, yes, I'm going to tattoo that, <laughs> that on was, my that car. That was really predictive. Yeah. Oh, that no. was just true. This so is... That- yeah. This is fantastic, too. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read a line, and then I'm going to read the description that follows it. Ready? So Dr. Cox says, I'm a doctor. Hell, I care about the gallbladder. Dr. <laughs> Cox, Dr. Cox licks his pin oh. and finds it tastes broken. He tosses the pin in his mouth and coughs up the janitor. The janitor scrubs the patient while Dr. Cox stands by watching JD and Turk on TV. Scrubs is on. <laughs> Wow, scrubs is on tv radius. while they're on scrubs it's inception i've never seen scrubs so that was my one problem with getting this article so uh, but anyway before <laughs> before we move on from from this i mean it does concern me like uh how many writers do we have here one i'm probably like a third a writer maybe georgia you're not do you write a lot these days no, I'd be like a tenth of a writer, I think. Okay. Maybe I'll give you a ninth because you're Ooh. just that awesome, Georgia. Ooh. You, Georgia Dow. Georgia Dow, you are you're amazing. Um, but I, I do wonder if someday these kind of algorithms are going to get good enough to right. like, um, like replace writing. I mean, yeah. one application of this predictive text up, that we've seen is people going out and getting content that's already on the internet and basically using bots to rewrite it and then to put it back out there. Mm-hmm. And you can read the output of it and it's, it's pretty good. So I, I mean, I do worry about this. Uh, another in practice example is, um, and I can't think of what the company is called, but it's a big company, and they, uh, it's like they are big with the Dow Jones and all that jazz, and basically a Walmart? lot of. What, did you say Walmart? Walmart. Yeah, well, it's Walmart. Yeah, so Walmart okay. um, has hired, has you know, <laughs> brought in a bunch of bots, and what they do is they feed it sort of economic news, and then those economic bots just crank out like, "Hey, here's how this company is doing right now. Here's where it's gone down, and here's where you know the CEO got fired, and we brought in a new financial officer." Those used to be written by financial journalists, and now they're completely written by bots, and that like that is a a real world example that. Fr- Frankly, is part of the the has p- partial control over just our economy in general, and we don't have humans do that anymore. So it's a very real thing. Like it's already started happening, and I do think you're right, Bree. Eventually, like BuzzFeed, it's it's not its you know its news section, but it's here are twelve ways that a lizard can lick a cow. Those articles right. are going to end up being written. That was probably created by a bot. I want to feed uh, bot BuzzFeed articles and see what it comes up with. Uh, there was there was a book that came out a. Uh a few a couple months ago called life 3.0 uh being human in the age of artificial intelligence by max tegmark who's a professor at mit and it's it's all about the you know all of the implications of a of ai and whether you know the, the doomsday scenarios are really are really what we need to be worrying about and all those types of things but he starts it out with a a fictional story about a company that writes an AI and and the first thing that they do with the AI is they basically make Pixar movies. 
and the AI starts generating Pixar movies that are as good as anything that humans are doing. And then it, you know, ends up ultimately ends up creating a Netflix like service and uses that to fund everything that the the AI ends up building after that. So and I thought it was interesting that that's like where they would start, like where he as somebody who's who is a futurist who who studies these things would kind of go to as far as like what an AI, how an AI would end up taking taking over from, you know, human intelligence. So it's not it's not unreasonable. And I mean, these types of things are I mean, you're not going to mistake this for an episode of Scrubs, but Scrubs is kind of a. It's it's a comedy, but it's kind of an absurdist comedy. So some of the things like this is way beyond what anything that would happen in there. But it is kind of one of these things that has like jump cuts to like these absurd like Simpsons style cuts that have that are just like out there. So, you know, buying a eel from a narcoleptic, it's a little bit out there for scrubs, but it's not so far out given how absurd the, sh- the show is. So something I really think about with this, Steve, is, um, I mean, how, if you had to estimate how much faster uh, a $2,000 computer is now versus the 90s, what would you say? Like 100,000 oh, yeah. times Easel, faster? Uh, 200,000? Like it would be an exponential order of magnitude. Uh, if you look at the difference of intelligence between a dog and a human, it's about 130 times. So, you know, we are looking at this in its um, you know, nascency. And I think, like, there are some really big uh, concerns about where this is going to be 10, 15, 20 years from now. I can see it being, you know, good enough they can get, um, you know, past the, uh, you know, basically uh, past the Turing test. So, you know, like... Yeah, Mass Effect, I, I could make a joke out of this, but I think it's serious. Like Mass Effect, the central story of Mass Effect, sorry, spoilers, is that uh, civilizations invariably develop AI. And one AI gets so powerful because AI will always wipe out the, the biological, like, entities out there that it um like will get the best things and like harvest them and it's all about the dangers of ai and i have to say like i find that extremely extremely plausible and you know if i'm elected to congress i do think that we need a subcommittee that can look into ai and some of the the dangers with it because i think we need to have reasonable controls on you know are we giving AI access to you know, traffic systems? Are we giving them access to our shipping systems? Like there are real safeguards that need to be in place here. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, the the end game of this this whole fictional scenario at the beginning of that book is that eventually it starts making you know getting technological advances that are far beyond what we can what we have, and ultimately it's improving human life, but in a way that the the benefactors of this AI are profiting from it, and that it eventually you know, reduces the need for multiple governments because they've, it's solved all of the problems that would cause conflict. So then, and it puts all the other companies out of business because they can't keep up with the advances that this one company is coming out with. So ultimately life on earth gets vastly improved, but at the cost of subservience to this shadowy uh, entity that's behind, you know, running this AI. And, And that's kind of more of the the other the other doomsday scenario that seems a little bit more plausible than I mean killer robots is the kind of thing that can happen by accident. This is the kind of thing that could happen on purpose. You know what I mean? Yeah. So now's probably not the time to tell you that I'm an AI. 
Oh, I knew that we all knew along, that. Micah. That's that's that. not a surprise. Oh, okay. Cool, cool, yeah. cool, cool. The, we, we would also we have completely to... accept you. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Just the way you are. That's fine. We're all, we're all in. We're Couldn't remember yeah. if I had told you that. So that, that makes me happy. And I will mark that down in the notebook here for you get to live, you get to live, you get to live. Okay. Yeah, your board class play wasn't fooling anybody, Micah. We knew that that was your normal form. <laughs> Your your skin is too good. Like I was on this week in tech, this week, and you know, Micah is right before me, just like you were the last time. It's like previously on this week in tech, and then it's like, oh, that's Micah Sargent. How does he get his pores that small? <laughs> that bitch, I hate him. <laughs> oh God, oh. that's a sad joke, by the way. It's really my train of I thought. I love it. So, Look, well, you, it's synthetic like, skin. That's your answer. That, yeah, that and that also works. black don't crack, honey. It's just oh, the truth. There we go. There we go. <laughs> ah, I missed the boat. <laughs> what um, were you going to say, Georgia? Sorry. Yeah, I was going <laughs> to. It's going to seem lackluster after this, but I was going to say that we also have to worry about having, you know, once our all, as we continue to have more and more systems taken over by, you know, computers to be able to do things like controlling traffic lights, which will make our lives better. But then they could also be hacked and, and yeah. you know, we can't keep anything from be like we like to say that everything's really secure. It's a lie. Like really anything can be hacked. It's true. If it was created, it can be hacked. And so I'm hacking you right now. More, yeah, yeah, but the, but we rely upon that. And then they can control our banking systems and they can control our elections and they can control our ability to travel and then they can they can control our cars. And this is already now. I'm not even talking about the future, I'm talking about what they can do now. So as we continue to move over to computers taking over things that humans used to do, yes, you could pay one human to be able to do something, but one human isn't controlling the entire system. And that becomes really dangerous. I mean, I guess what I would say, getting exposed to some of this stuff through my work is that I'm less worried about this stuff getting hacked because the problem is that nobody understands this code. And that's more of the problem. Like, I don't (laughs) think that it's, I don't think it's so much. I mean, hacking is of course going to be a concern, but I think that the concern, the other concern is that there are a lot of people who are getting into writing machine learning algorithms because it's a new hot field and they may not be very good at it or they're introducing biases through the algorithms. And there's not really any way to inspect those algorithms and see what's happening like like if you build an algorithm say to recognize emotions from pictures right and the only pictures you feed it as a training set are of white people then that could have an effect on how when you when it recognizes a picture of someone who's asian or or black how it perceives those emotions differently and there's a lot of work being done in machine learning and i don't necessarily know that everybody is of the same skill level and once those biased or just bad algorithms get used in production you can end up with some very serious implications especially if they're just consultants who leave and nobody understands what they did and is able to to correct for it so uplifted uplifted (laughs) it's been a really happy show altogether there was an app um like you guys don't even know like before like we were saying topics this week i'm like 
Yeah, I can't talk about all this rape that's going yeah, on. Yeah, that's what where I'm this sorry. was going to go. No Ugh. rape, and then George is like, "Yeah, no rape this week." Yeah. So this is this is the happy. This is the lighter show. stuff. <laughs> this is how. Um, so let's talk about how Scrubs is going to end civilization instead. Fantastic. Oh god. There great, was an app that was great. released earlier this week, and it was called and it's called Nude. Uh, N U D E. Oh yeah. Uh, and the app in iOS 11, uh, if you have a device running iOS 11, uses Apple's Core ML, and for anybody who doesn't know, that's their machine learning kit where people can basically uh, feed it a, a library with all the, I, I don't know exactly, you know, 100% how it works, but basically it's the way to build AI stuff into an iPhone app. And so what the, the company did is they wanted to create an app uh, because of all of these recent and, and in the past, the celebrity hacks that took place where people's intimate photography was uh, taken and exposed and shared on the internet. They wanted to create an app that would uh, search your library for your intimate photography and it would lock it away inside of an encrypted vault on your phone and then it would delete it from your iCloud library and from everywhere else. Now, this app, because it used Core ML, would only be a local app. It, it, everything it does, its analysis, all of that was done locally. Now, if you weren't running iOS 11, however, if you're running anything, if you're running it on a device that was not capable of running iOS 11, it would use a different engine that was created by Facebook. Um, and the Always interesting, the interesting, right, exactly. And the interesting and puzzling thing about this is that the the service is a cloud service, yeah, and so it's unclear exactly uh, how they are trying to pitch that your library is not basically just being uploaded to the cloud. Now, um, that aside, the thing that I wanted to... Wait, Micah, Facebook wouldn't do anything (laughs) bad with my stuff. Right. No, not at all. They wouldn't do that. I, I can trust Facebook. Yeah, absolutely. No, you can't. Um, The the thing that I wanted to touch on here is that what I found interesting, um, the way that they, because anytime you're sort of building out an artificial intelligence or, or, uh, you know, a a machine that analyzes your photographs and like finds something in them, you have to feed it information. So what they did is they took a bunch of pornography and they fed that into the machine. But here's where I thought it was kind of interesting is that, you know, they didn't just you go to like uh, uh, a library and say, you know, an online library and say, just give me your, the most popular or whatever. They pulled from a diverse set. They, they basically like, let's just sweep up the whole thing so that we get people of color in there. We get everybody in there. We put this all into the machine. The machine can suddenly understand um, what, what nude photographs look like, what intimate photographs look like and use that to inform their, their scanning going forward. So, I like it, it's interesting sort of the the information and the data that's out there and how different companies can use that. Uh, don't go download this app. Don't use this app. It's like it, uh, now that I've learned that about it, like I just don't even trust it at all, even if it says it's being done locally on your device. But the idea of, of sort of making sure that they're really capturing all people is great because when companies like Samsung uh, create facial recognition uh, technology and they don't use it on people of color and so it doesn't work with people of color, that's a problem. And and we need to be paying attention to those things. Like, the same thing goes for a little hand sensor that that you put underneath the, the wind. You know, it blows out your, your blows out warm air to dry your hands, and it didn't work on people of color. You had to have a white person's hand. Uh, Let's not do that. Uh, I agree. I yeah. agree. 
George, it's got to leave in nine minutes. Yeah. So okay. Yeah. I think, yes. we can wrap, I think we're, we're at a good point to wrap it up. You know, now, we that, now, that, we've, uh, now that we've doomed humanity to a uh, servitude of artificial but before intelligence. Before we go, <laughs> I, ju- I just want to say, like, you know, Micah, I hope you just leave the show today. Have a great time with Mitzi and the gorgeous chihuahuas Aww. that you have. That's wonderful. And Steve, when are we going to get to see those, those gorgeous daughters of yours again? It feels like it's just been... It feels like it's just been so long. In Georgia, I cannot wait for the next time I go to Canada. We are going to hang out. We're going to go get some coffee, and it's going to be amazing. Was I that good? It. Did I do I it? I believed it. I did wow. I do it? Did you I guys believe it? I you did. Me. I am signing I tried up. to channel yeah. the Georgia Dow. I, t- what? I, I totally, you did. That was great. Oh, so, oh, so but great. I guess the only way that you could do it better is but if you got true, an though, AI right? to do that for you. <laughs> oh, that would be Feed it, Georgia. You weren't joking, though. You really meant that, right? Georgia. No, I. I th- no, this is the didn't. trick. <laughs> this is the trick, honestly, that I found. And I'm not even joking right now. Listeners, you can do this. The key to social situations is I've read the psychology of it. And so much of it is your own mental state. Like, I want to do a whole show about this subject because, like, if you're sitting there in a a situation with someone and you're thinking to yourself, like, oh, they're judging me, they don't like me, they think X, Y, and Z about me, they are going to pick up on micro facial, like, cues that you're sending them and that negativity will come through if you're liking them. So, honestly, what I have to do to make that work is to, like, really feel it in my my heart if that makes sense but, but wait are you saying yeah. that you don't want to get coffee with me? Like, <laughs> i do i can't oh, tell that'd be great that's, what I, that's what that'd be I great i'm sure. gonna bring my nintendo switch and we're gonna play Poyo pot fever i really yeah. can you like georgia can you just like just just threaten renee of all of his apple watch bands if he doesn't get uh all of the employees to come to canada so that i have a reason to come and hang out at some point we have to actually meet up because i have <laughs> right like... <laughs> that's yet we to happen yet which is ridiculous so yeah we have to do something in montreal like definitely definitely though we're all going to the hotel and we're going to do a podcast from the uh jedi hotel right Oh yeah, that's still really oh, good. Yeah, that's it. right. You better believe it. Better yeah, believe it. It's still good for um, that. At least it's coming up at some point. You might have to. Oh, you better bit, believe so. it. Well, yeah. Georgia, you're gonna have to hop off. So I am going to. Uh, Get us get us on out of here. Uh, if you'd like to get in touch, because we are saving up our questions, and we haven't had a voicemail in a while. So listen, if you've left a voicemail before, if you've sent in a question before, if you have uh, sent in a tweet before, that's okay. You can send in another one. I know that you want to give people space, but it's totally okay. You out there listening right now that's like, yeah, I really wanted to ask them this question. You can do it now. We're giving you permission. You can come in. You can ask your question. It'll be great. We'd love to get some voicemails. We love you, so bring him in. And here's how you do that. You can call us at 508-418-3532, or you can tweet us at underscore disruption FM with the hashtag disrupt me. And if you'd rather keep things private, you can send us a direct message. Yes, again, I'm saying it. I'm talking to all of you. Send in your questions, your thoughts, your concerns. Uh, if you're looking for the show notes to get links to all the stuff we talked about on this show, you can go to relay.fm slash disruption, or probably look in that little podcast app you're using right now and tap the button. If you're looking for me online, you can find me at chihuahua.coffee for links to all the stuff I do, or on Twitter at Micah Sargent. Hey, Steve, if people are looking for you, where can they find you? Well, you can find me uh, jabbering about Hutchstone on my way home from work at Off Curve at offcurve.com, or you can find me on Twitter at Wicked Good.
Excellent. Bree, if people are looking for you, where can they find you? You can find me in the black machine racing around Boston. (laughs) (laughs) Or you could reach out to me on the Twitter machine. Uh, which is awesome. It has lots of very professional content on there. A lot of Please warmth. Please do that. Yes. Well, I try. I try. Very warm. That's what I'm known for. And that's what? What's the handle there? Oh, uh, I don't even know. Space Cat Cal. Something like yes. that. Yeah. yeah. Something like that. Uh, and last but not least, Georgia Dow. If people are looking for you, or if they're looking for some help, where can they find help or find you? <laughs> Okay, well, if you're dealing with anxiety, depression, parenting issues, uh, sleep, and want to make it better sleep, you can check out anxiety-videos.com. And uh, for me, I'm sometimes on Twitter. You can check out at Georgia underscore Dow. Excellent. Steve, you're see never us on out. Twitter. Right. I'm really not Twitter. really ever no, on Twitter really blast <laughs> every once little, in a blue moon. A little, yeah, yeah. Understandable, I've, I've though. Negligent. It's kind of a crummy place, eh? Uh, Steve, <laughs> see us on out. <laughs> JD exits smugly echoing. <laughs> <laughs>